Take your Bible. Here we go. <laughs> Take your Bible. Look with me in Psalms 1. Psalms, the first division of Psalms. Y'all doing okay this morning? Y'all glad to be here? You glad to be saved? Boy, we've been redeemed, hadn't we? We ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We ought to live in the joy of our salvation each and every day. You know why? Because our God is awesome. He is great, He is mighty, and He is magnificent. We ought to praise Him every single day for His goodness. I want to begin this morning a small series of messages out of the first division of Psalms, and I 
want to address you on the blessed man. The blessed man. Let's look in verse 1 of the first division there. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on the blessed man, in particularly on what he doesn't do. Now I'm going to preach a few sermons on what it means to be and live this blessed life. But this morning I want to begin on what the blessed man doesn't do. What the blessed man doesn't do. If you look here in verse 1, he begins this entire division of psalms with the word blessed. And in the Hebrew, he uses the word esher here, which simply means to experience happiness and contentment. So when he uses his word, he is talking about somebody that is satisfied, somebody that is living the life to the point and place where they are satisfied, where they are experiencing contentment. I am so glad that the saved life, the Christian life, can bring satisfaction to your soul. I'm so glad that I don't need the things of the world, but that the things of God can satisfy my soul to the point where I don't need all that other stuff. But this word Esher comes from the, the root word Asher, which simply means to be straight or to be right. It means to live a righteous life. And so the root meaning here is somebody that is happy is because they are simply living the way God has instructed them. And so the blessed life is the righteous life. The blessed man is the righteous man. Child of God, you cannot be saved and lived any way you want to live and expect for God to excuse what you want to do and bless you anyway for it. That's not how the Bible works. That's not how God works. The blessed life comes from a righteous life. And the more we are obedient to God's word, the more that we are faithful to God, the more that we will see the blessings of God in our life. Understand today that the Greek word for blessed, makario, simply means a believer's position in receiving the favor of God. And so to say that I am a blessed man, to say that I am living that blessed life means that who cares what everybody else thinks about my life, but I have the favor of God upon my life. Child of God, we ought to strive to live in His favor. We ought to strive to please our holy and righteous God. Understand today that when I talk about the blessed life, I'm talking about the abundant life. If you remember, Jesus said, I am come that they may have life, but that they may have it more abundantly. Folks, I'm so glad that salvation is so much more than just heaven. 
Knowing Jesus is so much more than just a mansion uh, on the other side of the portals of glory. Folks, there is so much here that you can get from God that you will miss out on. And that's what the abundant life and the blessed life is all about. One man said that every Christian has eternal life, but every Christian does not have abundant life. He may have it potentially, but he may not know it in the fullness of experience. I don't know about y'all, but I want to experience him in his fullness, not just in heaven. But folks, this world is so full of chaos. It's so full of confusion. May I tell you that you can live for Jesus on this side. You can know Jesus on this side of heaven. You can feel His grace and His mercy on this side. You don't have to wait till you get there to see how good He is. You can experience it right here. Child of God, we ought to live that blessed life. I want to address, number one, what the blessed man does not do. If you notice, the psalmist David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So the psalmist reveals the very first thing the blessed man does not do is he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So when we talk about living the blessed life, the abundant life, you say, Preacher, what do I need to do? Well, we're going to get on that. But first off, the first thing that you do not need to do is walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, we must understand that we must all seek counsel at times in our life. It is amazing how much we ruin our life because we think we got it all figured out. I don't need help. I don't need anybody telling me how to do anything. Well, the proverb says where no counsel is, the people fall. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Understand you can't get through this thing called life by yourself. You don't know it all. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's go ahead and get you mad at me this morning. You don't know it all. And the very best thing that we can do for ourselves is understand, I don't have it all figured out. And there are times in our life that we need counsel. So where do we get the counsel from? We get it from God's Word. We get it from the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Where do we get counsel from? We get it from people, spiritual people, that God puts in our life to give us spiritual counsel. Understand we all need help, but not all help is good help. You remember what uh, Job's wife said after Job went through all this, and not only did Job go through it, but Job's wife went through it, and this man said, I don't care what's going on, I'm going to fall down, I'm going to worship the Lord, I'm going to praise His holy name. You know what she said? Does I still retain that integrity? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Folks, that was bad advice. When your own wife tells you to simply commit suicide, that's bad advice. And there's a lot of things that people tell us in our life. And folks, just because people say it does not mean that it's good counsel. Just because the preacher says it does not mean it's good counsel. Just because the Sunday school teacher may say it does not mean that it's good counsel. So preacher, how do we know what good counsel is? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that because the foolishness of God is wiser than man 
And the weakness of God is stronger than men. When I talk about counsel, I'm talking about counsel from the Word of God. I'm talking about advice. I'm talking about things that deal with morals in our life according to thus saith the Lord. But preacher, I've been there so many times. I know, folks, God's been here longer than you. He knows. And the Bible says that his very lowest and weakest points is still higher than our highs. That his wisdom at the lowest end is still above our greatest wisdom. Folks, we must seek wise counsel. And may I tell you that when we look out in the world and when we hear those people that say you need to do this and you need to do this, child of God, you will never live the abundant life living on the counsel of the ungodly. You will never experience the blessed life doing it your own way. The very moment you got saved, you need to die to yourself. You need to die to your thoughts. You need to die to your feelings. But preacher, I feel you need to get out of that. And you need to seek godly counsel. And if we are going to live this blessed life, if we're going to live this abundant life, folks, we need to live in the ways of God. We need to get in His way of what God said. Man, when's the last time somebody, when you ask somebody, well, why are you doing that? And they say, because God told me to. It's always, well, this one said, and this one said, and this one said. Folks, it's still okay to do it because God told you to do it. It's still okay to live it because that's how God wants you to do it. Quit worrying about the ungodly. Quit worrying about what they think. Folks, live according to the counsel of God. Notice the second thing here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now this word way in the Hebrew simply means to stand in the path. So if we're going to live a blessed life, number one, I can't walk in the counsel of the world. And I can't stand in the path of sinners. I can't live the same way they live. I cannot do the same things that they do. I'm not that group anymore. I have been born again into a new family. Child of God, understand, God will never let you get away with Walking the path of the ungodly. No matter how much you fight it, no matter how much you hate it, God will never leave you alone. Folks, I know that I know that once you get saved, you are saved forevermore. Because I have been a, a heathen and a heretic while I've been saved. But you know what? God never left me alone. He never left me alone. And every time that I went down that wrong path, the Holy Spirit would convict me and convict me and convict me. Child of God, y'all listen. Listen to me. He's not going to stop. He's not going to leave you alone. Well, preacher, before I got saved, I did all this, and it didn't bother me. But now it just bothers me because there's a way of holiness now. And child of God, you'll never find the abundant life and the blessed life living the same way that you lived before you met Jesus. Man, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't just save you. Jesus changed you. You're a new creature. You got a new song. You got a new father. You got a new family. And bless God, you got a new life. 
live the new life that God has called us into. Folks, let me tell you something. You will never experience the abundance of salvation living like you used to live. That's why over and over and over the Bible said, put on the new man. Put on the new creature. Child of God, we have no business living like the world. We have no business in their drugs. We have no business in their alcohol. We have no business in their parties. We have no business in the ways of the world. Uh-oh, done got quiet. Thank the Lord there's some babies in here helping me. Yeah. Hey, when God saved you, He changed you. And you'll never find true fulfillment out there anymore. But when you get in the way of holiness, when you get in the path, and what did Jesus say about this path? He said, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. I know he's talking about salvation there. But folks, he's also talking about the way of holiness. He's also talking about the path that people take opposite of the world. What is he saying? There's not many that does it anymore. There's not many that sacrifices the love of the world for the things of God. Let me tell you something. You will never lose by letting go of the world. Don't get quiet again. Here we go. You will never lose by letting go of the world. Preacher, what do I have to lose? Nothing. But you got all to gain. When you commit yourself to the ways of God, but not just living in their path, but the Bible says do not stand in the way of sinners. And so we must not take the same path as the world, but folks, we must not stand in the way of the world either. Understand if we're living like them, we're going to be in their way. Paul said, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Listen, I can justify me drinking all I want to out of here. But if it becomes a stumbling block to people in this community, I need to quit. I can justify me being a liar. I can justify me be, being whatever I want to be. And I can take the word and I can mold it and make it whatever I want to say. But the Bible says for me to never be a stumbling block. To never be a stumbling block. And you want to know a blessed life as a man that doesn't get in the way of people going to heaven. But it's the man that's pointing people to heaven, that's leading people to heaven. You want to live the abundant life, get out of the way of folks coming to the church and coming to God and coming to Jesus and start pointing them the right way. You know what happens if I just want to go out there and live my life? I become a stumbling block. You know why a lot of our family's still lost? Because we've been a stumbling block. We've been hypocritical. We've told them you need to be saved, you need this and you need this, but you do the same things that they do. They can get quiet again. Y'all don't get quiet on me now. But the reality of it is we've been hypocrites. And there is no abundance and blessings that come from living a double life. We got to get out of their way. Do you know when I invite people to Promised Land Church, do you know that they will call your name out? They will call your sin out. They, I'm telling you, they don't care. 
they trying to get out of church. <laughs> they trying to get out of this religion thing. And they will call you by name. They will point your sins out one by one. We got to get out of the way. We got to get out of the way. But notice the third thing. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. This word scornful, the, the root word Hebrew here is scoffer. This is somebody that does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. Who's a scoffer? This is somebody that is disagreeable. This is somebody that's unpleasant. Well, if you ain't like the first part of this sermon, you definitely ain't going to like this part. <laughs> he said, don't sit in the seat of the scoffer. Those that always got something to gripe about. Those that can look at every situation and point out the negative things. Now, before I point my finger at you, I got a whole lot more pointing back at me. And I am as guilty as anybody in this room sitting in the seat of the scoffer. You know what the seat of the scoffer is? It is the seat of negativity. Everything and everybody is wrong. I, you know, I can't agree with anybody. I can't get along with anybody. I disagree with everything they do. And let's get real. There are days in our life that we get up and we go about and we're like, well, man, this one's doing this and this one's doing this. And the whole world needs to change but us. Ain't that amazing? You've been there and I've been there. And we just disagree, and we just disagree. And the Bible said, blessed is the man that does not sit in the seat of negativity. Understand, and I, and I get this, but what I've come to realize is those that do the least are the ones that scoff the most. The ones that don't want to serve God and the ones that just want to sit on the pew and warm the pew, those are the ones that are the most negative. Well, I ain't going to do nothing to help y'all in basketball, but I tell you, you're doing it wrong. I'm not going to have, now this is just an idea, but don't ask me to do anything. Ain't that how it goes? And everywhere in our life that we turn, we find the seed of the scoffer. Those that are sitting back being negative. Those that are sitting back downgrading things, downgrading people. Well, that preacher's this and that preacher's that. He's just a skinny, loud, shouting thing. And you know what's sad about that? Your kids are saying the same thing you are. And you know what's sad about that? You're not hurting me. You can run these deacons down all you want to. You're not hurting them. But when we sit in the seat of the scornful, we are robbing ourselves of the abundant life. You know what happens when we focus on the negative? We're not looking at the good things. When we focus on the sorriness of others, we are missing out and blinded to the goodness of God. When we're looking at everybody else's faults and failures, we're not focusing on the holiness and the righteousness of an almighty God. Whew. You know why I can't be blessed? Because I'm too negative to be blessed. Because I've been saved 30 whatever years. I don't know. My daddy's a missionary Baptist preacher. I've been in this ABA thing for years, and I know how you're supposed to act. I know how you're supposed to sing. 
you better sing the first, second, and third, and last verse of every hymn. And if not, I'm going to run you down. And don't you raise your hands. Don't you shout too loud. Oh, there Miss B, she's just got to get attention up there. And we get in the seat of the scoffer. And we get so engulfed with everybody else's actions. Because we're the Pharisee police now. We got to tell everybody how to do church. We got to tell everybody what's right and what's wrong. And I've been in that seat and I hate that seat. I've been there, I get there sometimes, and I'm hurting nobody but myself. I don't care if there's 500 people in here. I'm not here to worship you. I'm not here to serve you. I'm here to serve Him. If He wants me to shout, I'm going to shout. If He wants me to take my jacket off, I'm going to take my jacket off. It's not unbaptistic to do something different. Amen? We're to live in liberty and freedom of the Spirit of God. And let's don't get in the seat of the scoffer. Whew. But what about those that are sitting in that seat? And you're trying to live in liberty. Let it go. Let it go. Don't sit in that seat and don't you listen to that seat. Child of God, you looking at me? Don't you listen to that seat. I know they can, they can be negative about how you can't teach right, how you can't serve right, how you can't sing right. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but every one of them has been guilty of it. And so have I. And there's a whole lot of Christians that's not sitting here this morning because some of you have hurt their feelings before. Because they're carrying their feelings on their shoulders. And they come in here to serve the Lord and somebody says something about they're singing too loud or singing too soft or this or this or this and they get their feelings hurt and they ain't been in church for years. Because they're listening to the seat of the scoffer. Hey, I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if you like the way I preach. I don't care. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please Him. And I love every one of you. And I will listen to everything you say and pretend to care. I promise you. And I'll be sweet to you about it. But your opinion of me should not change my standing with God. And quit, child of God, allowing criticism to bring you down and push you away from a holy and righteous God. Overcome all that. Them folks didn't die for you. Them folks didn't save you and redeem you and forgive you. But Jesus Christ did. You're not serving them to begin with. Serve the King. Serve the King. Quit worrying about what everybody else says and please your Father. Whew, what blessings. What abundance of life comes when we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, when we're not standing in the way of sinners, and when we're not sitting in the seat of the scornful. I've wasted a lot of years. I saw a post the other day that I put on Facebook when I turned 33. And I read that post, and I forgot all about that post, and I talked about the post on that post about how much Jesus got done by the age of 33. Because that's about the age Jesus died. 
And I thought about in that, and I, I wrote in there about all the things that he did by the age of 33, and here I am 33, and I have fallen so short of the things that God's wanted me to do. And I think back to the times that I didn't serve him, that I didn't live for him, because of those three things we just talked about. And folks, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Child of God, I'm not talking about coming and sitting faithfully on the church pew. I'm talking about living it every single day in our life. The power of this word is in the application of it. I can talk to you till I'm blue in the face, but folks, until you take this word and apply it to your life, it is of no effect to you. But this thing is powerful. This thing is real. This thing is alive. This thing will change your life. It will satisfy your soul. And bless God, it'll get you to heaven. Let's get in this way. Let's get in this book. Let's get in His truth. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. I want to invite you to be saved. You hadn't seen satisfaction until you met Jesus. Oh, would you be saved today? Come down and let me show you how to be saved. Maybe you're here, you need to make a decision. Maybe you need to come to these altars. Maybe you need to join this church. Whatever your need is, let's follow the Lord. Let's stand very quiet. Very, very